If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. It's the future! And it's time for a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. Alongside Doc Brown, I'm Marty McFly. <laughs> We've got a lot... I would be the, I would about. be the Doc Brown, wouldn't I? I think so. I think so. Uh, it's Back to the Future Day. We'll be discussing Back to the Future thoughts. Um, talking about the YouTube Red Service was just announced going live in late October. Um, Ubisoft refunds. Price charting marketplace? What? Is that going to stay on the docket? Um, the Friday 13th <laughs> Kickstarter for the game. Wii U emulator announced. Wow. Kojima's on vacation, according to Konami. Um, just he, getting a quick sandwich. He's got a... Sp- a burr in his saddle about irrational customers expecting great deals. Um, the Star Wars trailer, the final trailer, looks great. Yeah, Ma- I, like, I like your shirt. Oh, thanks. Uh, Halloween ghost stories, Halloween stories, and your Q&A. Ian, we just had a momentous weekend at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. We had fun, I think. Yeah, no, I had a blast. Um, you had a ball? It was you know, one that you've been telling me about for, what, five years now? I've been trying to drag you the last three years, and, at least. And, uh, you know, during past marathons when when, when uh, we would do the sponsorship, when Chuck would do the sponsorship, you know, he'd always ask when I was coming out. And I always wanted to go. Uh, and I finally got to this year. And, uh, man, it's a, it's a fucking great convention. Yeah. Um, really nice, like, vendor area. Uh, the people were super nice. That convention center is really nice as well. And it's, it's clean. And it's Bathrooms goddamn huge. It's, oh, it's way bigger than I thought I, it was. On, like, the, on the Friday night when I was setting up, because there's like six different areas. Yeah. I, I accidentally, well, I didn't know where I was. I was. I walked into the, I guess they had some sort of Native American yep. uh, convention or going on. Something like that. Um, and I, I was just like, oh, this is the wrong one. So like, it's so big, you can have all this stuff there with not even bleeding into each other. It's so big. Yep. Um, didn't get to do as much as I would have liked uh, in terms of like checking out arcade machines and whatnot, but that's every convention. Oh, sure. Vonnie and I got to walk around though on Sunday and play some pinball and whatnot. It's, it's, it was great. Did you see that haunted pinball machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I another, didn't realize it uh, came out. It's another boutique one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and we're starting <laughs> to see more boutique machines, and I, I, I didn't really get my hands on it, but I, I, I watched some games, and it, it looked, looked like it looked fun. fun. Yeah, it looked very good. It's like a modern horror with people with cell phones and batteries going on stuff. And yeah, but when I walked by, it reminded me of like an Elvin G machine, which was uh, one of the sons of uh, uh, Mr. Gottlieb. I can't remember his first name right now. Mr. Um, made some machines in the late 80s, early 90s, and they were really good machines, but they kind of had that same like aesthetic, like we're doing this on a, a smaller run, smaller budget kind of yeah. level. I had no idea because we know the Big Lebowski one should be coming out right now. It should be shipping by now. Should be, to. but in the world of pinball, that doesn't but mean fuck all. This is great because it's a not it's not a licensed property one coming out, and now now yes. it's ninety nine percent are licensed property, so it's good to have one that isn't. It's probably it's probably still entertaining. Yeah, as cool as Big know. Lebowski is, I I'm really looking forward to seeing more pinball machines that don't have licenses. So we had fun, and we met a lot of a lot of you nice folks came out to see us and buy our duplicate games for for really good deals. And then we had our podcast panel on Saturday, which is now up online. Um, Great audio recording on that one, too. Yeah, I didn't have to splice it in with my phone. I recorded my phone <laughs> no. in this case. So that's online. 
and we put up a few segments on YouTube uh, separate from that. There's only a few segments, including the NES 30th anniversary, which is why we won't be discussing it in this podcast. We discussed it the day before. Um, and then I had my podcast. podcast. I had my own panel on Sunday, which was fun. Um, and then I was a part of the Retro Game Roadshow, which is always fun, with Frank Cifaldi, Chris Kohler, and, and Super Collector Steve Lynn, as I like to call him, who who gave me a Amiga uh, CD32 controller. I saw that. Thank you, Steve, because now I can finally <laughs> play it three years later. I love those stupid controllers. It's an expensive controller. Steve's like. Steve actually sold this big robot set for only $100, and I swear to God I would have bought it if I was local or get it back. Two robots that were... Bushnell did them, and you control you can control it with an Atari controller, 2600 controller. I was like, I never heard this in my life. It was only 100 bucks. So that's how much it cost to ship that thing. So I was very jealous of the guy who got that, and I would have bought that. I was jealous of the guy who got his box complete Duo RX, uh, uh, PC Engine Duo RX. Not that I fucking needed it, so I guess it was glad I didn't have that temptation in front of me. If you but... bought that. You, that you can never criticize me again for buying anything extravagant if you bought that. To have a backup Duo R. You have a fucking closet full of backup shit. I don't have a backup system that's... I don't have a backup Neo Geo AES. No, but you do God have sake. a PC Duo R that's not even hooked up to anything. I have a PC Duo R. Oh, I have a PC engine. A PC... Well, fine, whatever. It's still sitting somewhere in a box. I don't have a PC engine. I have a, I have a, a Turbo Duo. What are you talking about? What are, whatever you got don't from... Me, don't damn. Me climb over this table. Can we stop bickering and move on? No. Um, <laughs> the book's coming out. Uh, um, the Kickstarter is going to be up, if not late October, sometime in November. The NES Marathon is undecided if it's going to happen this year. Uh, to make it short, I'm absolutely dead inside. And if it's coming outside, I'm sick. But not just that. It's just that um, uh, to put the time and effort into it, I have to take a look at myself to see if it can happen with getting everything involved, getting the prizes involved, getting the contributors, all the cameos. It can happen. I'm not saying it's not, but uh, there'll be an announcement within a couple of weeks either way. Because if it's going to happen, it has to happen within like a month. So <coughs> that's all I'm going to say on that. And then a new, a new uh, speaking of working myself to death, a new NES Punk video came out. About NES commercials, so check that out. Um, that was fun. And I, I might do a Halloween video. Ian saw something that might appear in my Halloween videos. A monstrosity out in the living room that I fastened together out of twigs and sticks and glue. <laughs> um, so it's Back to the Future Day. So what is Back to the Future Day? Well, at the end of Back to the Future 1, when Doc Brown comes uh, out with the DeLorean, which has been not retrofitted, future-fitted, Throw it on Mr. Fusion and fly, they end up in the future to save Marty's. It's your children! Um, it's your kids. So they, they arrive back in Hill Valley, I think it's California, um, October 21st, 1980, excuse me, 2015, which is today when we're recording the podcast. So people, there's, there's, no, there's no reason not to love the Back to the Future trilogy. They're just fun fantasy films that are lighthearted, but they're still, you know, action and humor. And just um, even the third one was pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty even, good. Even the third one, you can say eh, it's kind of cheap Western sets they were used on the Universal backlot. Oh or yeah, whatever. yeah. It's, it's I mean, just, it, was, it was easy assets. It's to still, get. it's still, they're still well written and amusing movies. As far yeah. as thirds and movie trilogies go, it's quite good. It's a very strong third. A lot of people like that better than the second one. I'm sort of think the second, third one are kind of even. The first one's a classic. Yeah, the first one's an absolute modern classic. That's yeah, funny. Modern, thirty years old. I, uh, I, I hated that movie when I was a kid. Back to the Future? When I was a kid kid though. And by the time I got into my like my my when I was eleven, twelve, early teens, I really enjoyed it. But when Doc gets shot up 
that was one of the most terrifying things I had ever yep. seen as a kid. That scene, my, not so much that scene, but my reaction you to that scene of- as a kid... Horrific, right? Uh, yeah, and, and, and that really like kept like I was scared <laughs> to watch that movie because all my friends obviously loved that fucking movie when we were growing up, mm. and it wasn't until I was a little bit older and I watched it. And I'm like, whatever, it's a fucking movie. But as a, as like I don't know how old was I, like six when I saw that five. I was like, oh my god, you know, that's that's a bit much. You forget, I mean, that's a PG movie technically, but you have uh, terrorists that come and attack him. Doc Brown gets shot with machine gun fire, yes. and it's you know. <laughs> Uh, there's an incest uh, subplot you forget about. People kind of glance over that. How his mom wants to fuck his the son. I mean, that's you can't make it nicer than that. No, <laughs> she starts groping him in the car and makes out with him. You know, like this is. I remember that being one of the sort of when you when you talk about they talk about behind the scenes, and that was obviously one of the main sticking points with was that sort of in the movie, but. You don't you don't talk about that much. It's like it's like you don't talk about the Leia Luke kiss in Empire Strikes Back ever because it's sort of like one of those things where well we're just gonna forget that happened. But either way, it's still a great great plot. The the acting you forget how young all those actors were at the time. Oh, yeah, I definitely forgot how young that Michael J. Crispin Fox Glover was. Ca- carried that first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame that well he sued and got the money for it. Uh, the disagreements for the second one, uh, but it's a shame that Crispin Glover didn't appear in the second and third because he was absolutely outstanding in the first one. Uh, the guy who plays Biff Tanner, I forget his name. He was outstanding. I think his name is Biff Tanner. Like that. He I, well, he hates <laughs> being connected to it. He, he's, I know. He's the like the only actor that doesn't go to like all the reunions. Everyone else goes. Obviously, Christopher Lloyd still loves it. Michael J. Fox does. I know it must suck to be remembered for only one thing. If you think you have a career full of other memorable things, and you probably but, do, but like, how can, how bitter and jaded must you be to look at something that you did in your life that was so fun that so many people had so much fun. That have so much fun watching and thinking about, and just I don't know. Well, not just I, that, that always, that always I, makes me feel really. That's always really weird. I think I think they have they they forget how grateful they are to be an actor that's actually remembered for a big project when ninety nine percent of actors either don't make it or are obscure. You don't even realize who they are. Well, I say the same thing about one hit wonder musicians. Like perfect example is. Uh, you know, a flock of seagulls. The main guy from that fucking hates and Iran, and it's like, dude, just be happy. People remember you wouldn't be a band, one yeah, thing. That's your only hit. Yeah, uh, Thomas F. Wilson. He was also, I think, in some of like the privateer uh, games or, or something like that. Like some of those. Would he rather be remembered for those? I don't know. Uh, and Leah Thompson, obviously. So these were all very, very young actors, like early twenties. Uh, Thomas F. Wilson was in his early twenties, and he was. They made him up. For the sequel, and he was great as an older guy. How old is Christopher Lloyd? Because he's looked that age for his whole life. No, he's definitely well. Not now. Aged. Not now. Yes, Christopher Lloyd's but... got to be eighty by now. So he's probably <laughs> like fifty back then. Um, so they're classic films, but a lot of people are focusing on the future and what we have, and what we don't have. Right in two thousand fifteen, we don't have flying cars. Obviously, we'll never have flying cars. No, you can't trust people. To, you can't trust people to drive on two dimensions, let alone th- three <laughs> in the air. Um, people go, oh, driving three dimensions too. No, you control only two. You're not controlling up and down altitude. Anyway, um, we don't have hoverboards. They've experimented with magnetism and stuff. That we're never going to have hoverboards. You know, for, at least for the, we're going to be dead. You take that back. 
But Nike did uh, reveal they have the the Nike Mag with the power lacing. They're they are going to come out with those. They are going to auction them off for charity. They had them in 2011. They auctioned off ones without the auto lacing. They're actually going to have ones with the auto laces that are probably go for like ten grand a pair or something. And all the proceeds are going to go to are probably. Michael I just J. want to see it in action. I mean, have they released video? Of oh, that? they show Michael J. Michael J. Fox was given the first uh, uh, prototype pair, and you can see the laces come in a little bit. He didn't have them strapped all the way up, but. You hear it go, <laughs> and Michael J. Fox is like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so I think awesome. all the proceeds are going to go to a Parkinson's research. Good. Uh, so that's good. That's but I, I just wish they I wish they could produce enough that I could get a pair or anyone else because I'd pay a couple hundred for a pair. I don't know about 10 grand, but I'd pay a couple hundred for a See, that's something you know. that makes sense to release in a limited, because it's probably expensive. You know, and I but mean. people will buy them, no true, matter what. True, true, They're like moon boots. Remember how big they are? They're yes. like up to half the calf. You know, just about. I actually still think they look kind of cool, and I don't really like high tops at all. Yeah, they have the lights in the front and the side. So the ones in 2011 had all that. They just didn't have the auto lacing. Gotcha. So now they have it. Too bad they weren't released. Uh, other than that, though, it's anything else about the future is that they, they get most things wrong. Star Trek got tons of stuff wrong. They were projecting, you know, f- f- uh, three, 400 years in the future. Star Trek didn't realize that everyone would have, a, like, a, a phone. That was basically a mini computer walking around with them. And you can say, yeah, they had the little they had the little communicator in there. They had the little... But no one had, like, a little mini phone. They had tricorders, but no one had a communication device that they can also access like that. You know who basically got that right, though, and I love it, is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Did they? I forget. I've well, read, your I've, phone is basically the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I haven't read it in a while. It's your ability that. to basically access any information on anything in any country or any well, planet or star system that you would Douglas need. Douglas Adams got it right. Yeah. he was. But everyone else got that wrong. They always focused on um, the outward sort of technology of transportation or clothes, but not about convenience of computers and what they could do. Everyone sort of missed that. Yeah, everyone thought about these neat little gadgets. And like you said, the Star Trek thing, the little pin. Um they thought about ways to make these things neat, but not the practicality of it, that if you're going to do these things, you're going to combine them into a device that can do as many things but, as possible. And hell, even the next generation was made in 87, and they couldn't look literally 10 years in the future to try to say, oh, we're going to have cell phones in 10 years. What could we well, do Well, you got with communicators. That? Yeah, but they're not even visual. Sure. <laughs> were they visual okay. on the show? But then I also wonder at that point how much of and we're, we're trailing off, but I also wonder at that point how much of it was just to keep with tradition set by the first series. Maybe the budgets they they couldn't come up with little screens on devices uh, yeah. to give the people. That's just a funny thing. It's always about flying cars, but if you look if you look in the future now, uh, in a hundred years it's, it's going to be I don't want to talk about the whole singularity thing, but it's going to be nanite technology, which is probably going to help cure diseases before we find a cure of cancer. We're just going to have a little injections of little guys that are going to repair damaged cells. Right. That's a lot more likely than us eradicating uh, diseases one at a time. We're just going to have it something that eradicates everything, basically, by targeting them specifically. And they're already, they're already moving in that direction. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, we're, we might just miss that. We just m- might miss that immortality sort of thing where you can become <laughs> immortal for a price. Like the, we've, uh, we've, we've discovered the genes that control aging, but uh, turning them off we might just miss that. We might just get it. So we might just live to be 75 and all of a sudden we can just live, 70, live to be 75 forever. It's pretty yeah. exhausting already. I'm not sure yeah, if I'd I'm, be super I'm, upset I'm, about missing that. I'm just that. about done. <laughs> I'm just about done. We are. So, we so are Mother Fond Memories of cheery. Back to the Future real quick. Uh, we had a, a VHS dub, which was most of the stuff we had. And I just the reason I like Back to the Future so much is it's about... There, there's an innocence to it. And the whole, the whole theme of the entire trilogy is about second chances. <laughs> Yes. And having a chance to go back and make up for the, either the things you didn't do or failed at. Whether it's Marty trying to be a musician, his father trying to be a science fiction writer, 
And that's just that's a very strong theme because obviously in life you don't have that chance, and it just gives you that confidence when you watch a movie to, to see uh, <clears throat> to see Marty's dad, uh, George, knock out Biff is one of the best scenes, one of the best feel good moments of like any movie ever. Yes, there's a lot of satisfaction in that. The acting was great. You see how he's trembling, his hand at her, Crispin Glover trembling uh, from that, and that's just, that's just a magical movie, especially that first one. But the second one's fun too, and the third one, and then you got Wild Gunman. Uh, which is cool. So, one other thing that they brought kind of out for, um, you know, the, this big Back to the Future day um, is uh, Pepsi Perfect. Now, that was a very oddly shaped bottle of Pepsi that was featured in the film. With a big top, screw top. Yep, and it had a very weird, like, curvy, um, almost like lamp or vase look to it. And Pepsi said... We're going to bring it out for you. You know, we're going to make this Pepsi perfect and we're going to charge $20.15 per bottle and we're going to do 6,500 bottles of it. And they announced this ahead of time and people still got really excited. And uh, Pepsi launches it and it sells out immediately. Of course. And uh, you're left with a ton of people who are extremely upset. And it it's boggling to me because... I did. I did the math. Uh, if you sell six thousand five hundred bottles of Pepsi Perfect at twenty fifteen a pop, you're at like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. That's without. You have to keep in mind that they had to, even if it was cheap for them because it's Pepsi, they had to create the machine tooling to make this new bottle. That's not a bottle that's just been laying around. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to do that. So they put money into it to make to them what is nothing more than a drop in a bucket. I don't understand why these companies put out these collectibles that people desperately want. This is kind of what I refer to now as Amiibo Syndrome, although Nintendo seems to have finally fucking figured that out, where why would you limit something that people want so bad, so much, especially something as cheap as a bottle of pop, because yet it's not even a special formulation, it doesn't even taste different, it's just cane sugar Pepsi. Why would you give all these other people the opportunity to buy something and then flip it for $500, which is what like the going price or asking prices for yeah. on eBay now. And it's created a ton of ill will against Pepsi well, because there's no reason they couldn't have done 65,000 bottles of this and just honestly released it in stores and made it a promotion to the end of the year. Like, why not? Yeah, I, I hope you wouldn't be an idiot to spend $500 on a bottle of Pepsi. But Pepsi did come out today and announced they're doing a second run. Oh, they did. Okay. As of this morning, they had not said that. They they said that they're going to do it. They're going to take more orders on November 3rd at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So there you go. I still think that's kind of a weird way to do it. Look, from their perspective, they can't over... It's almost like the Amiibos in the the sense that they don't know how well it's going to do because it's it's unproven. So... What, so this is the only way they can do it. But I'm glad they announced it right away so those scalpers can go fuck themselves if they bought like 20 bottles. I hope they're at the money. And I hope so too. Yeah. My yeah. only argument with that is, uh, but it's just it's just pop. So if even if even if the people don't, I mean, it's not like it's costing them 2015 to make this. Like I said, they can put it in stores and just sell it. I mean, it's not they're, it's not well, going to bleed them any money. They can't sell them for 2015 in a store. No one's going to buy them. You know, well, like, no. You don't you don't go to a supermarket okay. and buy collectibles. You know what I mean? Like these are things they got to think about. These are all shipping from their store. Like someone's got to they got to pay someone to ship them out specifically. As long as they're doing more, if they I do mean, more. I, I might get a bottle, drink it, and then you fill it with goo and then you display it. Or yeah, you fill it are with, they glass or just plastic? I think they're just plastic. So 
<coughs> the last the last thing I would want to say though about Back to the Future Day tying it back is my f- thing that I like most about Back to the Future Day is starting in about 2010 we started to get all those hoax pictures every year that oh this is the year and this is what happens and, was, it, yeah. and you know what it's finally happened and we can't get any more hoax pictures we got the actual date folks yeah. your Facebook feeds are free is that what bothered you the most oh it, drive, it would drive me nuts every nuts it's like here we go someone's going to insist that it, it's back to the future day I remember seeing it in 2012 the first thing I, I was like that's not a multiple of five. Everything's a multiple of five. 1885, 1985, and 2016. I was like, that, it just seemed weird to me when I saw that. Yes. It was well done Photoshop job, but you know it was done. Um, so I love Back to the Future. I really hope they don't remake it because it's it's a perfect trilogy of movies, and it's one of those sacrilegious things. It's like remaking Godfather. Please don't add to it. Please don't remake it. Please just let it the fuck be. And I think, am I imagining stuff now? I think whoever had the rights to it, said that they had no interest or intent on remaking um, it. I think it's something we actually talked about, maybe, well, at it's, one it's point. Steven Spielberg's coming yeah. Am- Amblin, right? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it was actually stated that they have no intention of doing that. It makes, it makes, I mean, it makes so much money in the properties. I mean, how much more money do you want to make off this? You know what I mean? Like, they just come out every five... You did the 25th anniversary, uh, which had the um, a lot of footage with the original Marty. I forget his name. Me too. Uh, off the top of the head, but they put just snippets in. People were like, oh, we want to see more. I'm sure they're putting more into the 30th. Because they filmed like a chunk of the movie with them, they they, oh, yeah. they, they could cut together a movie. <coughs> they were both sick, uh, but um, yeah, they're making money off it. I mean, I'm making, if they if they want to do another cartoon, I like the cartoon series back in their early nineties. So that was fun. Holy shit! I forgot that? about that until now. Yeah, yeah I don't know the fact that Marty wasn't wasn't in every episode that much, but the stupid little kids were. Enjoy Back to the Future Day. Is all I'm going to say. Sorry, Cubs, you lost to my New York Metropolitan, so you're not going to win the World Series this year. So this was something we spoke about originally a year ago. It was announced. It's coming now from YouTube, and uh, people are getting their dander up over this for all the wrong reasons, especially on Twitter when people don't use any common sense, obviously. But the YouTube subscription service is on its way in late October. It's called YouTube Red. Slightly problematic name just because a red tube exists and it's a porn site. Yeah. Slightly problematic. And I guess they're using red because that's the color scheme on YouTube. It's not the strong. Not the wor- It's actually not the worst name, uh, even though a, a poor name exists. It's not the strongest name though, for that. Maybe they could call it YouTube Plus. I just think of yeah. I it's just like think Hulu of, Plus, I, YouTube I just think Plus. Of red is being like danger, and then also you have Red Tube. That mm-hmm. to me, I, I don't like I, any of the. Con- I mean, maybe the connotations are not yeah. necessarily the maybe, best. Maybe they don't want to do a YouTube Plus because of Hulu Plus. They don't want to copy off it. YouTube Gold. Pick any other fucking prestigious color. YouTube Platinum. So what this is is a subscription service that's totally. It's now people calm down. It's totally optional. It's YouTube's not going away. It's optional for ten dollars a month. You watch videos ad-free. You can also have, I guess, an easy interface to download the videos straight from the browser instead of going to another website. You can doing it that way. Um, and then there's um, there's mobile certain mobile uh, solutions they have there where you can listen to a song while doing other things. You know what I mean? Like you can get out of it. And then you also get a subscription to uh, which I don't know anything about this, but I guess YouTube's coming out with a uh, some sort of a music app, but there's also Google Play music service that you get that thrown in there. So it's not just about seeing YouTube without ads. You get a, a few bonus features thrown in. And you get to see exclusive videos. This is where it becomes like Netflix uh, in that you get videos and series with some of the big YouTube stars that you wouldn't get from the normal uh, uh, free service. So PewDiePie is doing a horror uh, reality show that's made from the makers of The Walking Dead are doing this where they're, they're throwing him in 
haunted houses in reality situations. There's a they're, camera on his face and they're running around with They're him. throwing him into situ- recreated situations from scary video games. Yeah. <laughs> so, before everyone gets... Uh, everyone on you, on Twitter is saying, oh, this is the end of YouTube. This is insane. I think you got to look at it from a couple perspectives. perspectives. I think you... Google... We always say Google isn't making money with YouTube. People forget that. It's a huge loss, a leader for them. This is one way they can recoup their losses, especially since there are a chunk of people that use Adblock. Right. I'm not going to get into the morality of that. I don't care at this point. It's just it's a reality that people aren't going to do that. So, first of all, you can't also then... Well, I will say this. You can't sit there and say, uh, this is bad, and then use, use Adblock. That's just... You're insane if you do that, because you're the, one of the reasons they're doing it. Sorry. They, they, they lose, I think I think the figure's in the billions that they lose off of ad revenue from people using Adblock per year. You know, so... You're part of the problem. Sorry. Um, I don't care about you saying, oh, we, there should be a better way. There isn't. In the history of uh, entertainment, you either make money through advertising or sponsors. Well, quite fr- or brand deals. That's it. I have, my, I have my qualms with this, but quite frankly, this is the better way. Oh. You okay. just pay for it and eliminate the fucking ads. Well, there you go. I mean that, that that seems pretty goddamn simple to me. So, so now, will it work or not? I always maintain that the price point for this had to be somewhere around four ninety nine, five ninety nine, because at nine ninety nine, that's that's Netflix, or that's uh, I think HBO Go is nine ninety nine, and Hulu is nine ninety nine, Amazon Prime is like around nine ninety nine. So for for that nine ninety nine, when you're getting a Hulu Plus or you're getting Netflix, you're getting movies, entire movies, and exclusive quality content that you want to see. Yes. You want to see Daredevil Season 2. I want to see Longmire uh, Season 5. Longmire's an excellent show. Check it out. Um, these are things that, that I look forward to. Like, holy shit, this is coming. You know, Jessica Jones is next month. I might check out that. You know, this I, is- I fail to see the draw and we spoke about this months back, the draw of PewDiePie's show. Like, because you're already getting the content you want with PewDiePie's YouTube channel. Why risk that nine ninety nine to see something that's totally different than what he's doing on his daily show? That, that It's not in line with something like, like, like a, um, a Netflix, which is going out and doing these high-quality you know, Daredevil shows that you couldn't necessarily do on network television easily. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, that's to me where I think the disconnect is here from Google. And I think they're trying a little bit too hard. They, they probably could have just, uh, sort of, uh, uh, have the price of it and kind of forget about the exclusive content or make the exclusive content, something a different tier. I think I remember speaking about having well, multiple tiers there. Yes. The, the basic pro I, I, I don't think multiple tiers is a good idea whatsoever. Um, I, I well, think Hulu pro- has it now. Well, Yes, but that's because Hulu started off with a shit tier, which was pay us for this, and we're still going to give you ads. They their second tier is finally doing it right. Sure. Um, my thing with the YouTube Red is I think YouTube's grossly overvaluing its its content. The exclusive content. The exclusive. Well, it, 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 yes, it's exactly it's exclusive content. Um, people don't want ads. They use ad block. Like I said, whatever here and there. Um, but if you don't want ads. Paying to not get ads is fine. I mean, that's why people. I mean, I, that's why I pay for things like Netflix and and Hulu Plus. Um, but when you're paying, like you said, when you're paying ten dollars for YouTube Red and you're paying ten dollars for Hulu Plus or Netflix, and you compare them, are you getting a comparative yeah. value? And you're and you're not, um, because 
all the stuff that you normally want to watch that you have that that to you the viewer is tried and tested you can already get for free and you're already used to dealing with the ads and if you really can't fucking handle them you already know your way around them what's not tested or or something that you know you're going to like is their exclusive content like you said the PewDiePie stuff which do you really need more? I mean, and then, and then what's going to stop people from ripping it and putting it somewhere else? Sure. I mean, this is an era where 10-year-olds know how to manage fucking 18 torrents at the same time. I, I, I just don't see something like that being enough of a draw to get people to pull another $10 well, out. Yeah, and plus, it's, it's a cliche, but it's true. PewDiePie's audience skews very young. Yes. Or younger. They may not... They may not have the credit cards to pay ten dollars a month. If you're fifteen, you, you don't have that. You know, and that's the one you got to ask your parents' permission to do that. It's like a dollar nine hundred number in nineteen eighty nine. Um, not just that; they're used to uh, content just being free, and that's the big thing about this. Will people even? There will be some people that will buy this if they realize, oh, I should be supporting people that make quality entertainment, right? So I will pay the nine ninety nine just to be ad free. It's convenient. Whatever, I'll throw a few shekels to Google's way. Because they're giving a huge chunk of that. It's not all going to YouTube. It's going back. It's obviously going back to the creators too. A chunk of it. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I know people. We, we talked about, talk about this before about Google figured out that this was a win for them for the amount of ads you watch in a month is nowhere near ten dollars to Google individually. Yes. So as soon as you give them the ten dollars, everyone wins. I win. You win. Google wins. Everyone wins because you have to watch so many videos to make up that cost. For, for it to be in your advantage. But it's, your, it's a convenience factor, obviously, too. Then. Right. I mean, I do know people who watch YouTube like I would use Netflix, and for them it makes sense. The thing is, though, with all of these... <laughs> that reminds me of a funny joke a person played on me at the, the convention. Um, the thing is... Uh, the, with these, pro, with these um, things like Netflix and YouTube Red and Hulu and Amazon... <coughs> You know, the, what what gets people is it's like, oh, this is a really cheap replacement for me for cable or something like that. And then you get one like Netflix. And then you go, well, you know what? Hulu has something that Netflix doesn't have, so you grab that. And then you get the WWE Network, if if that's your thing, or Crunchyroll. And all of these things start to add up. And I almost feel like YouTube Red is coming in at a time where a lot of people, they look at their monthly bills, and they've got Netflix, and they've got Hulu. And they start to wonder, well... How much more do I really want to pay for when I can get this for nothing? Sure. I mean, it, it depends. On, it's it's going to be the type of person. There are people that will say, I'll just use Adblock. You're not the person this is marketing to, obviously. Right. Because I think very few people that use Adblock, you're used to not paying. You're not going to pay. Well, it's like it's yeah. like saying anti-piracy things stop piracy. They don't. The, the right. pirate is going to pirate regardless. Sure. Um, so the other aspect of this is that uh, the terms of service has to be accepted by all the YouTubers, or else you can no longer put your videos on YouTube. So you have to buy... Well, that's fucking bullshit. You have to buy into this being part of YouTube. Like, so, I guess because it's probably an agreement in terms of, well, uh, having the paywall, you get money from it, so you have to agree to the terms of service. So if you don't, you're, you're, I think all your videos go private. I think I agree to this. I think they sent an email about this already. To, they came out and said, Google, that already 98% of YouTubers agreed to this. It was probably a terms of service thing. They said, okay, because... What are you going to do? Say no, I don't like this idea and not have anything on YouTube. I mean, it's shitty. It's just but... shitty that they force you to do it. Although I don't, I mean, what what would the option be? I think it would be better to just have your content not available via Red. And then if you realize you're losing out on revenue that way, you can be like, okay, my bad, I'm going to opt in. They probably didn't want to have to deal with it. Well, there's because there's no advantage to opting out of it. 
that's maybe that's why too. Okay. What's the advantage? I don't want people to have the choice to pay. I guess. For it. I guess maybe just principle. I can't really yeah, think of it, a good one either. And, and you have people that are saying the sky is falling. Uh, YouTube will never go ad free because again, there's, the user base is too big, and they're already they're making a lot of money, but not enough to, to to break even on it. But they're making a lot of money. And they don't want to turn off everyone. Then again, would everything would would anything ever be as big enough to pop up and rival YouTube? Probably not. At this point, it's it's like how Google is. You know what is that in terms of how many people search on that ninety eight percent? I still use Lycos. I have no idea. You what got you're the Lycos dog. I still use Hotbot. You got, you, oh, Hotbot was good. I remember Hotbot was. There was always advantages using one versus the other. Remember Webcrawler? Oh, back in the back back, back all the, the web found every little reference to everything. Back in the times when hunting for porn, you searched for whatever you were looking for on all of them and got the full spread. Literally, yes. All right, so. Don't worry, people. Your YouTube ain't going away. You're still going to be able to block ads with Adblock Plus. That's fine. And otherwise... Um, but if you want to see PewDiePie show, well, then you got to pay. I, want, now I wonder if they ever approached us if we would do an exclusive show. It'd be no. funny. We would offer the entire podcast. There you go, behind the paywall. <laughs> Ian's happy handheld. <laughs> there it is. That's the reason to do it. <laughs> let's talk Ubisoft. Oh, let's fucking talk Ubisoft. So, Ubisoft continues to be... Uh, a massive bag of wet dicks. Um, so they recently released Might and Magic Heroes. Five, uh, it's seven now, and uh, I got to be honest, it's one of my favorite game series ever. If you've never played a Heroes of Might and Magic, or or back then Might and Magic Heroes, um, or Heroes of Might and Magic, Might and Magic, whatever, great game, amazing strategy game, lots of options, all this good stuff. They did a one hundred dollar limited edition, and really with no uh, questions left to buyers um, said that this was going to be a limited edition that came with a physical copy of the game. Uh, Going so far as to show the physical copy in the advertisements for the US version, uh, showing that it was coming out on a PC DVD, and um, well, it shipped and what did it ship with? A big hole where the physical copy should have been, and a ticket that you had to redeem through Ubisoft Online to get your game. So to, their, you, to their Uplay account. Yeah, so you couldn't even go home and pop the disc in that you thought you were getting. You get Oh, and by the way, the uh, the soundtrack is digital too. They said that was going to be physical. So you get a big box with fucking nothing in it. Um, what the hell did they do? And then they go... So then they, they actually later, after Backlash, they doctored one of the photos really poorly, one of the ad photos, to show the, the physical copy in the, um, in, in the picture of all the things that you don't get with the limited edition to say a uh, digital copy across the top. But it wasn't there in the first place. It so wasn't there in the first place that they didn't doctor a second picture of it in the advertisement picture spool so that you could still see the physical copy. Now, this is what's so fucking insulting. And I was going, I was honestly going to buy this game because it might have barely run on my computer, but I really wanted to play a newer incarnation. I haven't played since, like, four. Uh, this is the <coughs> shit non-apology we got. 
Ubisoft regrets any confusion created by the marketing materials from our Might and Magic Heroes 7 Collector's Edition. We understand that some customers in North America were not aware the Collector's Edition delivered digital versions of the game and soundtrack. Ubisoft apologizes for any frustration and disappointment resulting from these items being digital format versus physical format. Fucking drown and come, Ubisoft. That's the biggest shit I have ever read. It's so infuriating. I fucking hate the game I, industry. I think it's take this somewhere. Uh, there's so much evidence that this was going to be included that it's hysterical. <laughs> it's not it's, though. It's like it, well, it is. It's it's funny. Like they have like um, a, an image of the advertisement saying DVD ROM. You know the DVD symbol you see on DVD. It's yeah, there. It's fucking right there. Um, and then there's um, on Twitch, Ubisoft unwrapped. They un- basically took it out of the collector's edition. And the guy hold. I'm looking at the picture. The guy held up the DVD case of physical stuff. Like he, like he had it at Ubisoft. Like here it is. Yeah, including the physical soundtrack. Yeah, he, it's in his hand. I can see the cover. It's a guy with long hair on the cover. I mean, we've entered an era where um, where EA and Activision are no longer the biggest enemies, yeah. which which is not a good thing. Um, and then you have, it's listed as PC, and the stores on UPlay was listed for PC for collector's edition versus PC download for standard. Yes. And then the box, like you said, was shipped loose in packaging. Lid was off and contents were spilling out when open. There is clearly an empty spot where DVDs tend to fit. That's from someone commenting on it. And so there's like this space in the box where nothing is there. Like this nice rectangular space that a DVD would probably fit into. So, <laughs> dude, I'm still... I'm, you, I'm you, just... can't, you can't make this shit up. This is unbelievable that they did this. So at some point in the process, they're like, you know what? We can save precisely... 70 cents per it, box on a hundred dollar box if we don't pack in a, a, a dvd getting pressed in our quantity that's probably 15 cents each we probably have some sort of in-house deal that does that and the case and the deal. yeah we're saving like 65 cents total on each and every one of these fuck you people what ass what assholes i keep making like all these companies that i'm no longer going to buy games from and it's like eventually uh, this list in my head and it's like eventually who Who's going? Who am I going to break out and finally be like, okay, I'll buy a game from you, or when am I going to end up with no one left to buy games from because I'm principal, I can't fucking support the bastards. Like seriously, just come out and say we're sorry for fucking lying. But I don't, I don't get it. Like I want to, so obviously heads won't roll um, because this is someone looked at a, a line and said we're going to save seventy cents per. Set or no, something. This, this wasn't this. Yeah, this is not someone's mistake. This was literally someone was higher quite, up just said, "No, this is how we're going to do it." And fuck at, the but customer. after yes. all this, yes, uh, deliberation that it was going to be a physical DVD, and, now it, mm-hmm, 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 and that's it. I mean, yeah, no one's no one's head's gonna roll because this wasn't a mistake. Yes, it was. It's not that like they they got these all out and forgot about the DVD being there because there was a download code. Like, I mean, it's not like they, they they you know what I mean. They didn't come <laughs> out with all these and say, "Oh shit, we forgot to put the DVD in somehow," you know, in in quality control. Um, so, you know what I'm just thinking, like, I met so many nice young kids who listened to the podcast this past weekend, and I'm just, like, I'm sorry you hear me say these things. Like, drowning and cum? Yeah, yep, I was just, just thinking about how a parent might have to explain that one. So, the good news is that they got their shit called out on for this, because obviously, um... If they, if this, if this wasn't called out on, they can do it again. Now, so apparently in Europe... They still had the physical discs as advertised somehow. So in the U.S., it, it, this is just... Uh, 
you know what? I hope you come out with your, your, your theme park and advertise like having safety harnesses on your ride. Then you get in the roller coaster. You get in your Assassin's Creed roller coaster. Oh, no! There's no... We advertise safety, but we don't have safety. It's shoelaces just holding the end. Instead of, you know, tug on the yellow strap to make sure you're safe, it's like... Tug on that bow and Maybe make sure you're okay. When, it, when the Assassin's Creed movie comes out, whenever it's going to be like next year or two, um, Mike, starring Michael Fassbender, when you go to the movie theater, we forgot to put the movie in the projector, <laughs> so you can't watch it. You have to download the download the movie in the theater. But here's you get an a iTunes gift card to listen to what the movie might what have sounded a, like. God, Ubisoft, and stop with your fucking games every year. How many more uninteresting time periods of your Assassin's Creed are going to have? Now it's the Industrial Revolution. Jesus Christ. All right, we'll talk about this real quick. No, we won't. Fuck that topic. I don't want to talk about it. There's, no. I mean, now, later, I don't this have This is a much more fun one. Go. So, what we are going to talk about instead, because it's thematic, is uh, the Friday the 13th Kickstarter uh, for the uh, Friday the 13th video game. Now, this is interesting to me, and I'm having a tough time uh, trying to remember, but someone mentioned... Well, there was a game called Summer Camp, and that's what this turned into. And they got the rights for Friday the 13th, and what they're making is a uh, asymmetrical game. Now, I was almost certain that this was announced in the spring, but I guess, or, but I guess it wasn't. So, this is kind of cool. Um, you take something like Evolve, but you put the player in the boots of uh, Jason Voorhees, and you put a bunch of other players in the... Uh, role of teenagers or counselors, whatever yeah, you want to call them. And basically, you either have to take Jason down or Jason kills you all. Uh, and from what they say, it's definitely going to be weighted in favor of Jason, as it Individually. should be. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a pretty fantastic idea for a game. Um, reading through it, the language that they use throughout the Kickstarter is... It, it, it's it's a little squeamish to me. Like they they take quite a bit of glee in the idea of. I think they say something like exactly like you'll be able to pick a you know a, a teen up, uh, kicking and screaming uh, for their lives, walk them over to some farm spikes and slam them down upon them. Yeah. But you know what? That's what these movies are about. And if you're going to deliver on this sort of game, you got to do it no holds barred. And oh, yeah. um, you know, it's going to only add to the tenseness and the excitement of the game. Uh, it is currently slated right now to only be a multiplayer game, um, but they said with stretch goals they would add single player missions in for teens and for uh, for the Jason yes. character. So so I, so um, it's one versus seven. We'll just say that. Yes. So you get up to seven. I'm sure it's up to that if you don't have as many people there. Obviously, you want seven people though because I, I imagine that Jason is physically stronger than you. You stand little chance. There are different classes though of counselor. There's the jock who might be a little stronger. There's Girl a, next door. There's a tech guy or nerdy guy who, who supposedly can maybe like make the the phones work or whatever. So you, it sounds like there's gonna be solutions to get the police there to to team up and put the put the boat together to get across the lake away from Jason. You will have to work together. Well, yeah, it basically As, it explicitly states that to kill Jason, you will need teamwork or an exceptional amount of luck, or just run and try to hide for. Make it through the yeah, because because killing is not the only way to win. Uh, escape is is a very viable option that I think so many people who are going to win are going yeah, to have. To so use. it's going to be semi open world. Who knows how big the landscape's going to be? I'm hoping a decent, oh, a decent know, chunk. Yeah, so you can hide. Obviously, I hope I hope Jason gets some powers like you know almost like the mist transportation, like the ability to just kind of appear out of nowhere or you know walk very slowly, but actually you know kind of always be around. But it, like you said, it's a fascinating concept just because. Um, 
We've only had one other Friday Thirteenth game that I know of, the NES one, where yes, the, and they actually retweeted my my. I, I tweeted something in the team retweeted what I said is a stupid joke about the NES version. I think I said like, "Oh, stretch goal, one hundred fifty thousand. The, the map works." Yeah, the, the <laughs> I version. saw that. Uh, so you got you got the like the the original composer involved with the project, which is cool. I believe you got the original guy who Kane Hodder. Who, yeah. Who who took it on after six and going forward was, was he's the definitive. And he was Jason. in. He was actually on for the. <coughs> Here comes the stars. Um, he was actually on for the original summer camp game, and then it transitioned into this, which is perfect. So like mocap and stuff is going to look it's going just to be him. like. I mean, he's him. a hulking, huge yes. guy. Like when you think of when you ever see a picture of of Jason. You think of the hulking six five linebacker Jason. You don't think of the small one from the second and third movies. Right. You think of once you get to six, seven, eight, and nine and ten, and Freddy vs. Jason. That's the big one you think of because he was a little smaller in, in the first, uh, in the second and third ones. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, not he wasn't first, small. So second but, and third, but, but he was smaller. Um, and, and I think it was a different guy in the fourth one Baghead who was Jason. a little bit bigger. Um, Baghead Jason, yes, in the second one. Which those movies are creepy to me. For some reason, being a bag had made it seem like it was more real. Oh, I gotta be obvious. honest with you. As far as like, movies go that continuously scare the shit out of me to this day, Jason movies I, scare the fuck out of me. I don't like... Friday the sl- 13th movies. Yeah. I don't like slasher movies except for Friday the 13th. For some reason, I don't I don't like the genre. I think it's all schlocky. For some reason, the mythology of the... It's like the perfect camp counselor... You know, uh, legend movie, like you know, what I mean, like they've done other ones, uh, cheap movies in the late seventies, early eighties when all these became big. There was a lot of movies that came like this, but this is the one that stuck with people, even before the hockey mask. Yeah, the Friday the Thirteenth movies fascinate me, and then as far as beyond that, the only other slasher movies I really <laughs> like are Halloween one, two, three, and H two O. And three isn't a Michael Myers movie, but that that's really I'm not a big slasher movie fan either. Uh, uh, but the, but yeah, the Jason movies just have so much crap at this point behind them that it's hard not to be kind of fascinated by this cobbled together mythos. Oh yeah, you have the mom, you have the hockey mask, he's a kid that the counselors let uh, drown in the legend, and he comes back for his revenge after his mom gets killed um, in the second one. Uh, I think it's interesting, just like you said, you can pick your type, you can be the girl next door who maybe is a little bit, you know, more uh, wily. It'd be interesting how they how they come up with game mechanics to incorporate all these different types. Yeah, because there's a picture of one. It's like the edgy guy. He's got. Some, what, what, what what's it? the edgy guy yeah, going to have? What, what's his edge over the, the other person? You find out like a cool quip he can say to throw Jason off. Or he second. dies quicker. He's like he's the hard mode character. I mean, I don't know. There was a picture in the Kickstarter of like one of the famous, one of the most famous uh, kills in the entire uh, saga is when the two people, two people are having sex, and Jason takes a spear and you know kills them both. And they show that in the game. Now, I wonder if you can do activities like that for, like, a power-up boost. So, say you can, like, engage in sex, but then you're vulnerable for a couple minutes and can't get out. But, but if you succeed, then you're, like, powered up somehow. I'm just think, I'm thinking out loud, like, that could be cool. Yeah. But you're totally... But you can be killed if you're found easily. I think that's the cool thing about this is that... Yeah, you can't just come up to Jason. Even though probably all seven could come to Jason with a, with a bat and try to hit him. It'll just be like, whatever. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Gonna, so you gonna, figure if they got the mechanics, right, a couple swings, even if it doesn't kill them, it's going to knock everyone over. Yeah. So it might be able to slow them down, but you probably have to engage traps, multiple traps. His health bar is probably ten times what a player's is. I imagine you know it will be about as hard as the NES one, but with a functioning map system. Uh, yeah, yeah, a functioning <laughs> map system, finally. So I'm looking forward to it. Is this something that you could actually probably see me play if this comes out, if I have time to have fun again in my life? Like, actually stream, and I actually would play this. 
you know, and, and coordinate with Ian, we can actually be on Twitch and have fun. Maybe. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it was, would you be the girl next door in it? Would you pick, pick Probably. The <laughs> now, uh, now, maybe the girl next door uh, doesn't ever trip and fall. I mean, that could be like one of the sort of abilities of the girl next well, door. Well, it depends on does, how, I, I mean, it depends on what they decide their final girl, uh, you know, archetype would be. Yeah, you have, the, you have the girl next door, you have the slutty girl, you have the jock, you have the asshole guy, you have the nerdy guy, uh, running, running out. Edgy guy. Minority guy. Minority guy? is <laughs> It's hard to survive with the minority guy. I would imagine. So, um, let's talk about something that I think is kind of a non-issue that people are shitting their pants over. Although it is really cool. Um, Wii U emulation is a thing. Sort of. It's a thing in that it's actually being emulated. It exists. It exists. Uh, it basically doesn't exist it basically there's basically nothing more to say other than it exists uh a lot of people have asked us you know what does this have to say about the wii u's lifespan uh nothing jack this says nothing about the wii u's lifespan especially because all indications are pointing to late 2016 early 2017 for nx shit um they're not this emulator is not going to be optimized in any amount of time to to take a dent out of any remaining wii u sales um, I don't even think it has gamepad support yet. Basically, you can boot the damn thing up, which is... Slowly. Which Yeah, it, the frames per second are supposed to be very low. And the thing is, is, this is not an emulator that is supposed to really take a whole lot of computer power. So this is just a matter of the thing's not optimized. It's, 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 it, it, it is exactly a proof of concept. It can be done, yeah, this but you can't do anything with it. This isn't like when the N64... Um, emulator was an unveiled. What was that? In like ninety nine, two thousand. Everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Because it actually worked out of the box. Basically, this is it. Did you could run stuff? Well, you could run stuff. and play stuff. Yes, you could. This is just sort of like it's like a demo. Yeah, you can turn it on. Yeah, um, but it is really cool to see that. I mean, there are people who. I mean, shit. We don't even have a. a, a if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think we have a particularly well functioning Xbox original emulator yet. Um, the Sega Saturn one. Yeah, I think we have to say so Saturn one finally. That was always maybe. A, that was always a hard one to crack. Yeah, I know we're reason. getting we're getting there. Uh, obviously, other systems from this time are nowhere near close. I mean, we don't have 360 or PS3 to my knowledge, or if we do, they can't be in much further stages. So it's interesting to see this much progress. I'm not shitting on the progress. All I'm trying to say is uh, this is not something that you're going to be able to download in two months and play. You know, Smash Brothers Wii yeah. U on. I think people forget that. Oh, emulation, emulation. Oh, okay. Now I got to download uh, two gigs for each game to well, play. You know, like, or, or I got to download. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not like downloading the Super Nintendo library in like an instant. We're talking. It's not convenient no. these, these newer systems to have emulation because, first of all, a lot of these you need connection to the internet to play. These people forget still for updates, whatever else. But the game pads, like you said, the, if you can't play, if you can't use the Wii U gamepad easily on a computer or on a front of a screen, then what the hell? Right. It's not going to be. It's this not is. Work. These are projects of passion by yes. people who are heavily interested in the internal architecture of of, 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 of computing machines. Uh, to sound like a magazine from the 1980s. Um, and, yeah, it's Computing just, machines, the modern age! <laughs> so, it's... I, I don't know, like I said, it, it, it's interesting, but um, I mean, and yes, emulation goes through many... Emulators go through many, many steps. I can remember, and Pat can probably remember, and a lot of our listeners can probably remember, when NES emulation came out, uh, it wasn't like, you know, we just 
opened up an NES emulator and everything worked. Yeah, it took it a long time for NES emulation to get to the point where it is now, which is nearly perfect. Yeah, it took a good four or five years in order to get it like stable for many, many, many revisions of Nesticle before you could run basically everything you tried to and, open. And that was even abandoned. Did another one picked up Steam, and yeah. now you have two or three that Nestopia, FCU, uh, X, and you have way one to a rock NES came up and picked up it. So. That's what usually happens. Remember, these are people doing this in their spare time as a hobby. Yeah. And people are like, oh, why doesn't this work? Why does this work? Well, asshole, I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm doing it in my spare time. I'm not yeah. making money. There's no way I can possibly make money off of this, the, you know? The the inspiration for a lot of these people that make emulators is not so that we can all go out and play free games. It's because they want to crack the puzzle. Yes. It's a, it's a fun hobby. They're programmers. They want to see how it works. So... um, Hideo Kojima uh, is not uh, not fired. Uh, he's still with Konami. Uh, he's just gone out for a long lunch break. He will be back from Subway uh, very soon, is what Konami would like you to believe. Um, so yes, they're, uh, Konami uh, in 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 their uh, descent into batshit craziness has has said that um, uh, Kojima is still an employee and uh, that he has not departed. Is That's that va- funny. Extend the vacation, they said. Yes. Extend the lengthy vacation. Uh, stating that, you know, at the end of long development cycles, people go on vacations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, this is humorous uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one, uh, then why scrub his name off the box? Uh, two, <laughs> uh, why cancel his project that everyone was really interested in? Uh, three, why are there fucking photos of his going away party at Konami Headquarters? Really? Scroll down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why are there photos of his going-away party? <laughs> uh, yeah. So what this really boils down to, and I, I mean, I can't really stretch this topic out much longer, is uh, rumor is, uh, and it's pro- I, I have no reason to not believe this because it's how it works, uh, he has a non-compete clause or something till December, and until December rolls around and his non-compete clause is up, Konami's probably just going to say he's still on the fucking books. It's easier to say that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what it is. Uh, I do think it's hilarious that at this point Konami is it, it's it's like it's like it's like seeing that oh shit look in someone's eyes when they realize they left the burner on at home and you're halfway to Florida on your vacation to Disneyland. They're like, oh, we made a mistake. We might have we might have done something we shouldn't have done. So there's just there's this image. They're in the office and they're all holding very strange. They all have white Dixie cups in their hand. Drinking something. I don't, I don't know what. It's almost like a, a mass suicide about to happen. It looks I very, knew you were going to say that. Well, it looks very... They're all yeah, I know. It does, it, does look, it does look suspicious. It's very Heaven's Gate-esque. Yeah. Which, again, if you watch the latest Pat the Indian's Punk video, might be a reference there. Did you know Heaven's Gate was in San Diego? I didn't know that. To my yes, research. I did. Um, Here's a I photograph of Kojima's farewell party on October 9th at Konami, which Konami what? claims no knowledge of. What That's the hell? from Simon Parkin. What was Kojima doing? Just coming in and checking email the past couple months? Just like... <laughs> All right. Yeah. What is he? What is he doing? You know, like I saw an amusing tweet uh, from that. It was like that. Uh, that that uh, that. It's pretty funny. It's a parody account of Kaz Harai, the head of uh, uh, he's the, the president of Sony uh, PlayStation, and uh, saying that uh, uh, it was just like Konami announces uh, Kojima says he's just going out for a pack of cigarettes. We'll be back shortly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just dumb. You know, I mean, I, I just. There are still people out there who think that this is some big Kojima prank or hoax because he's done stuff like this. But how far do you take a joke? 
You don't cancel games. Well, who thought this was a joke? So no, people... like, like, I mean, I don't know that anyone necessarily does now, but I mean, back when, you know, uh, PT got canceled, back when there were rumors of him leaving and his name was getting scrubbed from everything he was doing, people thought it was some made a joke he was pulling because he's famous for that sort of stuff. But you don't pull a joke this far. The guy's fucking gone. You're insane if you think this is a joke. The guy's gone. Konami is suddenly realizing that maybe that was a bad idea and they're trying to save face. And uh, nothing's really changed. And how, we how, just we, how, stre- we how, stretch this further than we should have. How, with this whole segment? Yes. How would they be able to save face? We're going to start making console games again. Sorry, we, we, we're not going to make pachinko machines and yeah. slot machines and mobile <laughs> games. We're sorry. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. It'd be interesting to see if he just does his own Kickstarter like everyone else has been doing when they leave big companies. Or someone swoops in. What if Nintendo made a play for him? That could be interesting. Dude, I just, I just want to see something resembling PT get made. <laughs> uh, well, they have to start from scratch somewhere else. Yeah, but they could still make something resembling it. If you get, oh, sure. If you, have, if you have Del Toro, if you have Kojima, if you get Norman Reedus back on it, you can make a game that looks exact. I mean, you can, you can just fucking clone it. Norman Reedus got to eat. People have asked, like to ask about customer situations. Um... And this one's weird because I, I feel like it's it's partially because of uh, this is a lot of this is people who listen to the podcast, but uh, we don't really do mail order. Uh, we have in the past. Um, they don't do bride order either, by the way. No, uh, we have in the past, uh, but you know, we, officially we have stopped doing mail order, and we won't be doing mail order anymore until we get our, our marketplace up and running. Um. This is just kind of a, a, a brief talk on, uh, once again, uh, supply, demand, and uh, unreasonable expectations from things. So, we have started getting, over the past couple of months, we have seen some emails where people will come to us, and I'm glad that people think we're the good guy, because we do try, and we try to keep our prices really, really reasonable and competitive. But we get people, and it's a lot of people who love to start their emails with, I decided that I'm going to start collecting four, or I've this machine, or that machine. And while I'm not going to quote this particular email exactly, I'm, the, the scenario is going to be spot on. Basically, we get people who are like, I had fun playing video games with my friends over the weekend. I've decided that I would like to start collecting for the Super Nintendo. I've decided that the three games that I would like to get first for the Super Nintendo are Sunset Riders, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4... And uh, Chrono Trigger. Uh, I do not want to pay the ridiculous prices that everyone else is asking for these. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can work on a deal and get a much more reasonable price worked out. The, this is what I have to say. If you're just getting into collecting, first, you really can't just pick three of the most popular games for a system and say that these are the ones you have to have. Not only because they're going to be expensive... But because they're going to be hard to find. Two, I hate to break this to everyone, and it's something that people really don't like to deal with, but if a game consistently goes for $80 on eBay, that is not overpriced. That is what the game goes for. If you do not want to pay that much for that game, that's fine, but you can't just expect someone else to be like, I'll sell it to you for 50 because I'm a good guy, because you can go, I don't know that you're going to keep that. You can go and flip it and make fucking, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks. I mean, you can charge above what the eBay going rate is and get it back. So there seems to be this really weird disconnect with newer collectors. And I'm not trying to shit on it. 
you want to, if, if you like the hobby, go for it. But you need to realize that just because there's a difference between high prices and people who are overpricing things. If Chrono Trigger is going for 80 bucks, it's going for $80, no matter how much you don't want to pay $80 for it. Now, if a person's charging $120 for it, yes, that is too much for the game. But you can't, you can't look at a price and go, I don't want to pay that price, and magically expect to find someone who's going to sell you that game for a different price. Can you find deals? Yes. But it's generally going to be someone who doesn't know what something is worth. And... I, that's what it comes down to is this is something that's happening and as collecting picks up steam we kind of dealt with a question like this on the last podcast or the one before that uh, this is part of um, I guess that bandwagon collector segment that we got asked about is it's I, bandwagon to me sounds a little ne- more negative than I'd like to use but new collectors you have to understand that these prices got to this point for a reason so I mean I don't know what you have to say about that. I don't know what you've encountered in, in your experiences selling or, or, or if you even agree with me, but at some point you just have to admit that the prices are your prices. My hobbies are expensive too. I'm priced out of almost every pinball machine I'd like to own. You know what? I'm not going to go to someone and expect them to sell it to me for 5000 under value. Now, are these people expecting a good deal because they saw you on the podcast? Well, I also feel like there's a little bit of that involved too. They, they feel yeah, like that's that. kind of shitty. Yeah. Because I feel like it, that's another thing. It's kind of this, well, I listen to your podcast, so you know, you're going to hook me up or something like that. Like, I support you, so you're going to help me with this. I, I feel like there is a little bit of that that comes into it and a little bit of an expectation that because it's from a listener that they're going to get this, this mega hookup. And I have hooked up listeners. I've done th- Especially if you come into the store and you chat me up and you buy some stuff and you're friendly, I'm going to help you. And there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who can probably verify that. But if you send me an email from across the country telling me that you want these three games and you think everyone else who's charging this price is an idiot, well, that's an insult to me, too, because I charge those prices. And why? Because I have to pay a bunch of money to get them in and because I don't want someone picking them up and flipping them. You you not knowing the market is not my problem. Tell them to go to the flea market. Where they can pay more. Honestly, or, the, or you can be lucky and strike it rich. I mean, it's up to you. Or garage sales. I mean, right. that's that's that's. <clears throat> if you're going to a retail setting, even I knew way back that a retail setting, you're going to pay more than if you find it dirt cheap. That's just the bottom line. There's overhead. There's cost to get the products in. It's not people just looking to get rid of it. It's a business. Uh, even I understand that. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. I talk Ian up all the time. I don't necessarily get good deals. You know, it's just so, so you shouldn't expect any either. <laughs> um, it's just the bottom line. And yeah, I mean, I don't want, like, I love it when customers, when, when, when listeners come in, especially and talk to me and we have a good time and stuff like that. And I appreciate the people who want to give us business, but it is kind of insulting when you contact us and expect us to magically <coughs> have prices that are like 50% lower than everywhere else. You know why they're that way everywhere else? Because that's the going rate and that's what the market has determined is the selling price as of right now. So this ends Ian's therapy session for this podcast. God, I had to fucking get that out. Your time is up. Let's talk about a joyous day. The release of... You would remember when where you were, where your children were, when they released the final full trailer for Star Wars The Force Awakens. I was, I was It was a Monday night. I was watching my New York Giants lose horrifically to the Philadelphia Eagles. And at halftime, they showed a trailer... That was an extremely good trailer. 
very well cut together trailer, which I'll get into later, that changed my sort of, eh, it's going to be good, I want to see it too, I really want to see this movie now. I still want to see, for some reason, Spectre has me excited, but not nearly as much as before. I want to see Spectre way more than... So hold on, I was just going to say, we had a conversation after the last podcast where you said you were actually, as of that moment, Spectre was the movie you were most excited to see. Has mm-hmm. that changed now? Um, they're they're now neck and neck. I mean, okay. I you get a James Bond movie every two to three years for the most part, but proportionally only like half are good versus half that aren't, and then sure. there's only like six or seven that are really good. You know, so like less than a third are really good. Um, so but this looks really good. This James Bond movie, like really good, and a, a well-made James Bond movie is like. Like, what more do you want from... I love action movies. And a good James Bond movie is, like, the, almost the best you can do for a good action movie. So, but this looks good because um, it introduced the characters. The Star Wars trailer introduced the characters for the first time. It was mainly a character introduction trailer. Yes. Because uh, the other two, while they showed uh, Ray and Finn, who are the main characters, or the new main characters, it didn't really explain who they are. So you got, basically, an introduction to Ray... Um, uh, you know, who's scavenging on, I think it's Jakku, it's like this desert planet, and she looks like she's inside the Star Destroyer, the craft Star Destroyer you saw in the other one. You see Finn, who who sounds like he's a stormtrooper of what's called the First Order, and something like dis- disenchanted. He's trying to get away. This is good. We're finding, we're, not, we're learning a little bit. And then you find out about Kylo Ren, uh, who's the, some sort of guy, for, this, I'm not in spoilers, besides the names, in the trailer he's looking, he somehow got Darth Vader's charred mask and is looking into it saying, I'm going to finish what you started. So he's some sort of Sith fanatic or, or, or some follower of some sort. Right. And then you go from there <clears throat> into uh, the, the Leia theme, which almost got me choked up when, when uh, the, you had the Millennium Falcon outrunning, trying to outrun the mm-hmm. TIE Fighters. And that was beautiful. That, that's one of the most beautiful themes of all Star Wars is that Leia theme from Empire Strikes Back. The, you know, um, you see Han Solo talk more. Um, it's a, a kind of a really beautiful moment because they're asking, you know, they must have asked, you know, what, what's this force thing in Jedi? And Solo goes, it's real, all of it. The Jedi. The yeah. Dark, which is interesting because he's a guy that thought it was bullshit. some sort of bullshit in the original trilogy. And obviously he's seen it. And it, through Leia, he's seen it. So it's a great trailer, not just because the, the, the effects and the, you can see the grittiness of the film when you're watching it. Like the shots aren't extremely clean on you see wow they're outside for that shot it's not just a fucking green screen and they're always the same distance away from it like you can see real sets they're outside um the the space battles look great um and the space battles well, well they're not even space battles. there's dog fighting over the planet so yeah sometimes. so that's to me that's cool because there wasn't <laughs> a, there wasn't enough of that or almost nothing of that in the original trilogy no. seeing them over i think it's a lot more visually interesting when you're dog fighting with real gravity and you're over you know terrain versus just being in space and then, it's great because it really doesn't give the plot away at all. No, no, I was going to say when you, I was that the trailer did two things. I've been a hard ass about this movie since it it, it was announced, and now, yes, I want to see it. I do. It's convinced me. I liked the first three movies. I hated the prequels. The prequels destroyed any interest in anything I thought that would come after. And now suddenly. I have interest in this. Um, not even just as a Star Wars movie. I mean, obviously that that helps, but I'm I'm trying to imagine what it's like to look at that trailer objectively, not knowing what Star Wars is. It still and looks it good. still looks like a good movie. It still looks well made. Yes, it looks like it has interesting characters. The cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. So 
I, 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 Star Wars or not, it's a movie that I want to see. Two, I was nervous watching the trailer, and I watched it for the first time this afternoon, getting ready for the podcast. I avoid trailers constantly because I don't want things ruined for movies that I know I'm going to see at some point. And that's all trailers do these days. And, uh, it didn't really give anything away. It set things up nicely. It gave you a couple of scenes of what you can expect and left you wanting more. Yeah, you can piece together the plot kind of in your head. Uh, from the poster, there's some sort of space station that could be some sort of another type of Death Star looking thing from the poster. It's in the background. Uh, that's rumored to be something, but who knows? I'm hoping they don't go to the well again for another third type of Death Star. Or it's, I hope it's something that, something slightly different than that. There is someone that probably dies. You see, uh, you see uh, Ray crying uh, over someone. You can't see what or who. Someone probably kicks the bucket. I probably know who's going to be, and I want to be fucking bawling my eyes out in the theater by who they're probably going to kill off. The other interesting thing is that no, um, no shots yet of, of Luke, of his face. Mm-hmm. They use the same one from the teaser with his, his hand on R two real quick. Yep. No C three PO. If there wasn't Han Solo and Leia, like you said, you know, it's almost like there'd be almost no connection at all. It's like, so I think with Luke, I don't think you're going to get a huge amount of him in this movie, but I think they're going to build to him in episode eight and nine. I think you're going to, he's going to come on more and more. I think it's going to be one of those things where, and you're not going to see him really uh, in a lot of action in uh, in episode seven, but maybe in eight he comes out, and in nine he starts kicking ass. Because I think they're gonna. They don't want to. You don't want to blow your wad. You want to. You want to slowly build to that because that'll be one of the biggest geek out movie uh, moments in any movie history. Is when Luke comes back out as the full Jedi Knight. Older. I disagree. I think that they're going to. I they I would almost wager they do it in this one. Why? Hamill's not getting any younger. And two, I think. Well, he's, th- he's not I, seventy. No, he's not. But he's also not young anymore. And I think to. I, I think if they're ever going to do anything with these characters and make these new movies their own, they don't need to make a clean break and necessarily eliminate all of them for the next main entry. But you need to kind of... You need to get all those big wow moments that people want with the old characters out of the way now so that you can move on and create new wow moments with the new characters. Yeah. You, you can't... Just like you don't want them going back to the well, I don't want them to keep relying on the same old characters no, no, no. to tug at the heartstrings. I think you could have you can have an incorporation. I don't think it's automatically. You always had your 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 um, supporting players, even in the original trilogy. You had your wedge. You had your Boba Fett. You had your guys show up that weren't the main crux of it, but they were still there to help the story. It's the same way with the original guys. I I don't think they're gonna. I think Luke's gonna. I think Luke's first of all. I think it's been said by JJ that Luke's an integral part of this trilogy. And there's no way he can't be. Well, there's, there's absolutely no way. It's, it's Star Wars supposed to be the Skywalker saga, uh, by and large. That's yeah. what it's supposed to be. That's what it's been up to this point. I think that's the one tradition they'll probably keep for seven, eight, and nine. It's just how much they're going to be. I just don't think the unless they do a full marketing sort of gotcha, and, and then he shows up, and because that's great they do. Then great, we don't see him for the first time until in the theater and geek out. That'd be great. Yeah, because most trailers would give it away. With him and the lightsaber, the, yeah. his green F- lightsaber. Fingers you know. crossed. But I think <laughs> Luke's a Terminator, by the way. I Everyone, th- I think. Well, <laughs> and plus, the, the also these aren't being made every three years. Remember, a year and a half for this one. Episode eight's going to come out already, so I don't think they're in such a rush. It's not like uh, Mark Hamill's going to die. I don't think Mark no. Hamill's even sixty yet. He's probably in his mid fifties. No, you know. For whatever reason, I always think Mark Hamill is older or, than he is. He looks 50s. older. I mean, he's probably early twenties and seventy-seven. It's been almost forty years, thirty years. Yeah, he's probably like 60, almost 60, but he's, that's a, what Alec, how old Alec Guinness was in Star Wars. He yeah. Was, he could still, with a lightsaber, 
He just do yoga. He'll stay spry. So I'm excited about this. I just want to talk about the, talk about something interesting on Twitter that bothered me more than I thought it would, and I, it was just sort of a. I was ironic uh, because they premiered this. Obviously, uh, Disney owns ABC, which owns ESPN. Um, so they premiered this during Monday Night Football because people like Monday Night Football to begin with. It's a, one of the biggest things on cable. They figured this would give us more ratings. Why not? A lot of these big trailers are there. So I just saw a lot of people sort of just like making, just deriding comments about football and sports that was sort of ironic because those are the same sort of comments that traditionally people would say towards fans of Star Wars and nerd stuff. And people were sort of, maybe it was their opportunity to sort of turn it around for the first time and say, oh, it's just a bunch of guys throwing balls around. Let's get to the Star Wars thing. Now, it, was, it was just sort of, I was just shaking my head like, wow, that's sort of just funny for you to have a, have a perspective like that. Not just because you're allowed to like both sports and Star Wars, because a ton of people do, but it just seemed really just petty, a petty, now, now, now Twitter is petty in general, but it was just sort of a really weird spot we were at where it sort of came circle where, you know, Twitter was sort of, you know, going off on, they had to sit through, God forbid, part of a football game or, or the halftime uh, and Mike Tirico to announce the Star Wars trailer. I don't know. That just sort of rubbed me really the wrong way in it, more than I thought it would. I didn't notice it, and I guess if it if I did, it wouldn't have bothered me. I would have just taken it as people being excited to see a trailer and wanting to get to the point. I mean, I don't know. I, whatever. That That's not something I'm we'll get particularly... To this. We're going to get to this more in the Q&A, sort of a tangential version of this Yes, what I want to talk about. But uh, we're going to talk real quick. We're already running out of time. But we got to talk some, yeah, some ghost stories. Pat well, ghost stories. Yeah, Pat ghost stories, because I don't have any. All right. So, my house had ghosts. My house in New Jersey where I grew up. All right. Um, several, there are several stories that happened. And maybe we'll come back and revisit them in greater detail. But ever since, I'd say, uh, seven or eight, or maybe nine, um, it always started to feel weird in the house. <laughs> so, I had a traditional split level. Uh, you know, you probably, they, they probably built all these houses in like the 60s, you know, and all the, you know, the baby boomers, you know. So you, you have a house that's like, almost like, uh, it's two levels, stairwell in the middle, yep. going up diagonally, uh, all stairs go up diagonally, except for the <laughs> circular ones. But, you know, you have like a cube, and you have a hallway around, and, the, you know, hallway around the stairwell, and then you have the rooms off to the side. You have the dining room, you have the kitchen, rec room, bedroom, bathroom, bed, you know, it's like a, it's a square. And then upstairs you have a few rooms. I mean, these are how all these houses are. My my room was in the corner, we'll just say the northwest corner of the house. Uh, the furnace was outside of that, and the rec room was immediately there, and there was a bathroom next to it. Uh, I should probably draw this for the, I'll do like a drawing for the YouTube version. So a lot of things happened near that area of the house. And in particular, even if I went back tomorrow, I would still feel slightly weird and uncomfortable at home. Uh, especially by myself, and especially in that area of the house, just a, not not necessarily you're creeped out, but just unease. You can't get comfortable, and so I'll just try to go through this real quick. But when I was five, I say four or five, so my sister is about four years older than me. Um, there was a story of my sister. Um, she got out of the the shower in the bathroom, which is right next to my room. You, if you turn left out of my out of the bathroom, you see my room. You turn right. You go around the hallway and out the other side. So she walked past my room and I, I was having a nap and she, my mom was like comforting me in my sleep. My sister just walked past. She's heard my mom, whatever. But then she walked into the rec room and my mom was sitting there watching TV 
And then she turned back into my room and whatever she heard or person she saw was gone. So after that moment, my sister never, ever would walk out of the bathroom past my room. She was always fearful or felt weird to walk that way towards the stairs, which was the opposite of the house to go up to her room. She would always walk the opposite way past my parents' bedroom. So, um, well, fast forward to, I think I was 11 or 12. Um, my mom used to get up at 5 a.m. The cats would wake her up. Or the cat at the time. We, we had two cats later. Cuddles. Lovely Cuddles. I like Rest in name. peace. She was a fierce cat. Her name was Cuddles. But she, would, she would get fed about 5, 5.30. It would not be uncommon for my mom to come to my room and, like, you know, re me back in, you know, put the blanket under real comfortably and warm me up. So that would happen often. Um, so it was one day. I was probably 12, 11, something like that. And my bed always had, it was always, like, positioned that it wasn't against the wall. There was always a space on the other side for uh, my nightstand, and then the other side you can walk either way. So I'm turning on one side. It was probably about 5 in the morning, 5.15, 5.20. And I heard, I felt someone rustling my sheets. And this, this, you know, I was half asleep. Rustling the sheets, like, it's like, like my mom tucking me in. And I turned over, I go, Mom, is that you? And I saw this white thing. Now, I had not good vision. At this point, my vision had deteriorated tremendously because of playing Nintendo and Hereditary. But Do you wear contact? Not anymore. I had LASIK. Oh, oh you know that? I forgot. No, yeah, I remember now. So, I definitely saw this <laughs> white thing in front of my face. And with my bad vision, I couldn't really make it out. But it was there. Um, now, at the time, I was into alien stuff. So, I first thought, this is an alien thing trying to abduct me. Because I was into alien stuff. Which was stupid because looking back, as as dumb as the sound, it was much more logical that it was the same sort of ghost type character that my sister saw all those years before, trying to be my whatever protector or whatever in the room. Um, so I got freaked out, threw the covers over my head, and that was the most scared I've ever been in my entire life, and didn't move for like literally two and a half hours in my bed, like terror, absolutely terrified. You can make the argument that I was just waking up, sure, but seeing whatever the hell I saw, that woke me up damn quick at that point. That was like cold water in my face. So after that, I couldn't sleep in my room uh, comfortably for years and years. Um, that sort of crystallized that feeling in that corner of the house that it feels fucking weird in this corner of the house. And it, honestly, and this is a cliche, but it was always a little bit cooler in my room too. And that's always a cliche about temperature drop. But you ask anyone in my family, that was true. You walk in my room, it felt like it dropped five degrees when you walked in the room. Fast forward, I'm in, uh, this is probably early 20s. Um, I'm, meeting, I'm meeting at the dining room table. And um, the dining room table, where I sit, if you look that way, you walk that, you look down the hall, th- through the kitchen, down the hall to the rec room with the furnaces, and then my door, which is at the end of that hall to the right then. And then I'm eating a sandwich or something, and it wasn't on the corner of my eye. I was actually looking for some reason down that hallway. And I'm looking down that way, and I saw a white boot. About that big, old-style boot. You know, it's probably like whatever you would say, like, the way men would wear boots 100 years ago. <laughs> old-timey boot. Old-timey boot. Happened to take... <laughs> The boot just took a step. I'll do, it took a step, like, out of my vision from where the furnace was to the back room. And it wasn't a split second. It was a full, like, second. Here's the boot. Bip, ba-doo. Bip, ba-doo. And I didn't freak out because what are you going to do? You see a boot. Bip, ba-doo. Walk away. And then gathering, talking to my mom years later, she had said she'd seen the same thing. She'd seen this white old style boot walking around sometimes, but sometimes she said it was part of something else. You see part of a leg or some sort of apparition with it. Uh, whatever. Um, 
my sister when I was in I'm basketball when I was in high school. Uh, I was playing Ken Griffey Junior baseball. I'll never forget that. I had I had it in my in my room. My CRT monitor, that one playing it. My sister opens the door up and he goes, "Pastor, you just walk into your room." And I was like, "No, I've been playing this for like 20 minutes." She said, "I just saw someone walk into your room." I swear to God. And, and uh, so those sort of stories would happen. Even my father, who's a skeptic for this stuff, admits that he might have seen stuff. Like begrudgingly admits that he might have seen stuff. And all that shit always happened. For whatever reason, in my corner of the house, the last story, at least the last experience that I had, even my mom still calls me from time to time saying she's heard murmurings or whatever, is that um, this is before I moved um, out of the house when I was packing up clothes. Uh, during the day, which kind of makes it almost scarier during the day. I don't know why. Um, because you can't say, well, blame it on being dark or feeling weird. So my door was open, and then you can look out to the hallway past the bathroom, and there's a hamper there. So for some reason, something told me to look outside my room. I was like, I'm in my closet. And I looked outside my room, and the only feeling I could have was that the the whatever it was knew that I caught it being there. Like, it was conscious of me. Because I saw this black form about six and a half to seven feet high. It wasn't a total person. It was almost like a shadowy, like, picture like drawing a shadowy figure against a wall. With like lines, you can see sort of make out lines for a body, legs, and arms. That's what it was. Um, it, di- it actually went like that. Like it actually went like that. Like holy shit! And then it zipped away, past. And the first thing I saw was holy shit! I saw something. And then I tried to figure out, okay, was this a shadow from a car in the street? And where it was, was that it w- a nude interloper? Where it was would be very hard because it wasn't close to it. it there was no window directly there that it could be a shadow from the outside there was no window that sh- shined that I caught something that was was obviously knew I was there and I saw it so there's a couple other little stories my father he, he'll kind of admit but then doesn't want to talk about it, uh, stuff that he's seen but there's just this collection of stuff and it always goes back to the corner of the house that area of the house the white boot has been seen by me my mom made my sister and it's just it's just really you can't explain it but it is what it is we've all seen it and you can say we all see stuff out of the corner of our eyes or we all have experienced something or other but it's there i mean it's not like it's not something you want to make because people will say you're crazy but we've seen shit in the house and there's other stories too i'm actually leaving out a few things but that's those those are the highlights so I, I have no stories. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't think people who say they've seen ghosts are outright lying. I don't think that at all. I think it's a matter of reinforced fears and then shared experiences become more cemented, which makes it m- more likely that you're going to see something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that said, I, I've had zero experiences like well, that in my life. There have been plenty of times where I've been scared, uh, but, you know, it's nothing that's ever repeated itself, nothing that's ever happened uh, you know, over and over. My mom says she's seen ghosts. And my mom is an incredibly, incredibly rational lady. Uh, so, I mean, obviously there's something to it, but I, I believe it has, to, it, it's, 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 it's on the psychological front, not, not in a realm of reality. So it's a sort of cl- uh, shared hallucination over uh, years or something uh, like that effect? To a degree, yeah, something along those lines. I think it's just something that we can't measure yet. I, I think it's something that, like, um, I don't know, it's something like, you know, what's a good example? We always knew magnetism existed, you know, but we couldn't really measure, do anything with it for, you know, a ton of, a huge amount of human history, you couldn't measure it, you know, something like that. Uh, I I think it's something like that where it's just beyond our sort of reasoning, 
whether I think it's a, um, I think it's just our energy. I think uh, people have energy inside them. Well, yes. Uh, energy is released. I believe some sort of energy is released back into whatever the universe when we die. Um, but what happens to that energy? I don't freaking know. No one knows until you're dead. What happens to your energy? I don't know. I want to be a tree. Uh, I just think that that could be an explanation of that this is some energy that's just f- still floating here instead of it should be somewhere else, but it still hangs around. That's, that's the best way I'm, I'm going to say it. And the only reason I want to say it's not sort of a reinforced shared experience is because it's not like we were happy that this stuff happened. I was terrified by the experience in my room. I'm not saying you time. have to want it to happen. Um, and it wasn't something we talked about with each other. That it's not like it would, it's not like we'd all see something that happened all within like a week or two. This is stuff that happened like once every whatever three or four years. It, it would happen again randomly. Sure. Um, so sometimes I mean it's not like a it's not like a movie in a haunted house. No, no, no. It's over just the course. Of it's a not. Week. Like, it's not like you can predict what happened. But I'm a big instinctual person with my gut, and I'm telling you, I don't feel weird living here at Frank's house at your place. I go back to my house. I feel fucking weirded out. I feel weirded out, especially when I'm home alone. Me and my sister, whenever my parents would go out at night, me and my sister would be alone. We would we would always have to be in the same room. We could not be, especially in the back room. If she left even to like go for a minute, you felt weird. It's always that you know the feeling when you're not alone. Yeah, that's the feeling. Well, real or not, the fear the fear is 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 real, and that's, oh yeah, that's enough. well the feeling was real. Yeah. So so this Halloween, have a happy Halloween. <laughs> Last year we talked about Kennedy. This year was about past ghost stories. And so, of course, I'm going to say, well, you know, if I swear to God, if I, if I see... see you will. Tower 7. I'm going to see you believe in Ghostbusters <laughs> on Tower 7. You will be uh, <clears throat> as quickly banned as I possibly can do it. That's all. Q&A! On the See You Podcast. Let's do it. I'm so sickly. And Timmy Johnson. I never sell games for eBay prices to people because I find them so cheap. Should I be more firm on prices? Um... Yeah, I'm gonna say you probably should. It's not that you 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 can't cut a friend a deal. I I clearanced out like 75. Basically, the the last of the Nintendo games that I will ever sell, I sold at Portland, and I gave you know fairly good deals. Uh, I mean, I didn't fire sale them though. Um, the reason you have to be careful is my. I mean, maybe your friend. I don't know about your friends. Maybe your friends are ingrained collectors. Maybe they're just starting. You have to be careful of selling things for too cheap because if they're fickle and they get out of it, then suddenly you've given them ammo to um, make make money on something that you could have, or they can use it as much greater trade bait for something else. And that's the other thing I would say is when you find games, you can. I wouldn't say sell them for cheap necessarily. Sell them for a good deal, but don't sell them cheap. If you want to give someone a deal on games and you want to look at it in a a price way, do it via trade. Make sure you're getting something out of it that you want that is not cash. Uh, And that's that's where I think you can really be helpful to your friends and to other collectors is work out a trade. Find something that's mutually agreeable for both of you. Don't just be like, hey, you're my buddy. I've got this $50 game. I'm going to sell it to you for $20 because you're selling yourself short. You can still be friendly and help them. Use it. Use it as leverage to get something that you you need. I'm actually going to be. Um, I'm going to disagree slightly. I think it depends on your relationship with the person. Well, sure if, it does. If you trust them not to, if you trust them that it's for their collection and that they're going to enjoy it, then charge whatever you want. If you find a Final Fantasy, you know Final Fantasy three for, you know five bucks, 
If you don't honestly don't care, give it to him for five bucks. Everyone. Well, like know. I said, I don't know about his friends, so I but, but be careful because this happened to me where there's someone you think you're friends, but collectors are assholes. A lot of them are assholes. Uh, you know, I've given guys great deals on stuff, almost at cost because it was something I had a double of. They needed it for their collection. And then you find out six months later they sold half their collection, including that game you got. And then, or maybe they won't give you a good deal when they find something. So then you learn your lesson. It just depends on that. You just gotta, I know you gotta feel someone out or not, but I don't know. I wouldn't feel bad if something bad happens to someone that needed to sell your product. But I would argue that they should probably give you first, first contact rights or whatever. If you give someone a great deal, maybe you get a chance to get it back at some point. But I know that's not reality. If you sell, some, if you sell someone a game for 10 bucks that's worth 50 they're going to want to get that extra 40 bucks for it, you know. Yeah, I, I think, I, think I, I would disagree there. I think if you, if you choose to sell it at whatever price you choose to sell it for, then what they do with it after that is no longer of your concern. But that's why I say you should do due diligence first and make sure that you are selling to people that you trust and that they're not going to flip it. And if they're friends, as in, like, I know them in the local collecting circle, then definitely be a bit more conservative on what you offer. I won't get into specific stories for, with people, but I've sold st- stuff to people and gotten burnt by the fact that they didn't keep it for a long time. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of shady. But whatever. What are you going to do? This is from Andre 8 What are the main differences between the gamers of today and the ones 25 years ago? Uh, okay, 25 years is what? Wow, is that already 1990? That's kind of weird to think about. Let's just say Nintendo era to current era. I think with with well, this is more of a cultural internet question. I think the internet brings people together for better or for worse. Um, you find people you connect with. You sort of form these sort of community bonds. I think easier now, mm-hmm. which could be good if you're you know if you're not a social creature to begin with. But I think you have people a lot more today that are identifying themselves as I am a gamer first and foremost versus I just like video games as part of my part of my life. And people have gotten kind of on me for sort of. Not disassociating myself with saying I'm a gamer uh, sort of identity, but shying away from saying that because... I I, do too. I think it's dangerous um, to have a a sort of... be involved with anything that has a collective mindset like that. Well, I think it's it's dangerous to, uh, to identify yourself... to identify a large portion of your being by one hobby... Uh, or any any hobby. Yes, any, game, well, yeah, else. that's why I said like like identifying yourself as a gamer, identifying yourself as I am a record collector, identifying yourself as this or that or the next thing. That's dangerous because you're not putting any value on what you are as a person. You are only putting value on the objects you own and what you do in your <laughs> leisure time or even in your professional time. You've got to have something else to identify with. So, like Pat says, having this instant community is great, and it's different than back then. And we can all swap secrets and trade games and have a good time and meet each other at conventions. But you can't make that everything, I don't think. Yeah, because then you'll get you'll get, you'll get get really excited when something happens in your quote-unquote community. Then you get really pissed if something happens in your quote-unquote community. You get overly and, angry about things that you shouldn't get that angry about. Or conversely, you get really excited about stuff you shouldn't get excited yes. about. It, it's just not... I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying how I am and how I, the people that I like or hang out with and, and people that I think are getting the most fulfillment out of your life, out of their life, that's a loaded question, are people that have interests, but not the lifestyle of, you know, so th- that's what it comes down to. <laughs> so, the, 
and this goes back to this goes back to what I was saying about you know um, a little bit. Uh, well, this is more about identity, almost identity politics, or saying if you like one thing, you can't like it another. So because I'm I'm in the gaming community, that means that I I can't then like sports. You know, is that going to be frowned upon in my quote unquote community? You know what I mean? Like it's just you get into this weird area where then you have to either it's almost like a fraternity that you're entering. You know, you you have to mold yourself to that to what people like. I'm not no, there's subcultures within. But you know what I mean? It's like people are like, oh, you're not a real gamer. You like Madden football. You're not a real gamer. What? Why? You know, like, like who decides that? Who gets who gets together and decides these rules that I'm a casual gamer because I play uh, mobile games? I'm not a you know I'm not in your your community now. Like, who the fuck are you? I wonder how much of this has to do with the the, the uptick in age, and I think this is kind of going to kill a, a question we have further down the line, but um, in, in terms of, like, the, the target demographic of, of, of people who play video games, um, you know, I, I think one of the main, main differences is gamers 25, 30 years ago, it was looked at as a hobby. You played your video games, then you went and you did your Little League, and then you went and did your Boy Scouts, and then you did, you know, whatever else, you know? Um, as we've grown up, and we've accumulated disposable income, we've somehow managed to surround ourselves with it like a comfort blanket. And, you know, what you've grown... Yeah, and what you've grown... I mean, this is how... we're just. I'm just going to bleed it into this other question from um, from uh, Dave Van Damnet about how do fanboys still exist in 2015 when most gamers are adults and can easily buy whatever system they want. Uh, why do fanboys still exist? Because you've grown up with something and you've attached it so much to part of who you are that... It doesn't matter if you have the money to buy the system. You simply won't out of spite because this is just what you know. It's not just that. It's a form of identity politics where um, you find a reason more to... Not to, not to exist. You, you, you find sort of a spear point for your life by attaching yourself to something. Yes. It makes you feel more important. It makes you feel like you belong. It's collectivism is what you are to be a fanboy. It's exactly what it is. You're belonging in this weird group versus being an individual... Um, who can think and rationalize and be more shades of gray. And that's exactly what it comes down to. Um, so I think it comes down to the internet. Again, I think it's just, this, you, get, you get this re, you get this web of reinforcement, uh, where, you know, oh, all of a sudden people, we, it's good to hate on Microsoft and vice versa when it's like, you, most people aren't like you. Yes. Like, like most people have a life to worry about. They're not worried about, a game console being better than another. Outside of your group, where you think that, no one gives a shit. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. To spiral, I mean, just to move it laterally a little bit, um, it's, I always talk about how I'm a fan of many things, but I, I am cautious to adopt fandom of anything. And that is something that has also really kind of spiked with, with you know, the pro- proliferation of the internet. Um, <laughs> I like a lot of things. Take, for example, the anime Evangelion. I love it, but the fandom scares me. You know, um, the, it's just it, it, it. When when you get that hardcore into one thing, you suddenly find yourself wasting a lot of emotion. I think uh, on, on things that it's it's okay to feel something for it. I feel a lot of things for that anime, sure. and it, it means a lot of things to me. But not en- not enough so that I feel like I need to take it to the internet and get into a heated, impassioned argument with someone else about it. Again, I think it's a hobby. It's it's an interest. It comes down to um, you have a lot of free time if this becomes your main interest. If this is what it comes down to, where if I get into a war with someone online over Twitter, or if I have to argue about PS4 versus Xbox One for three hours, you got a lot of free time. 
This is how you're spending it. I'm going to eat my own fist. All right. Um, this is from at Jason James Shuba. Was it a decision to mainly focus the podcast on gaming economics versus gameplay, or did it evolve their thoughts? Well, I, I don't think Pat and I had a huge idea of what we were going to do when we started it. We had a rough outline. We knew that we weren't going to just talk games. Um, I think it comes down to this. I think I think game gaming economics, collecting, um, that sort of stuff came about because it's something that both Pat and I can talk about. Um, I have a tougher time talking about things like YouTube, how it works, and what it's like to be a YouTuber. Uh, Pat can't do a lot of talking about gameplay, and this is not a knock against him, because he doesn't have time to play games. Uh, he doesn't play the modern games, and, you know, when he does play the retro games, it's, it's usually for reviews. So it's hard for us to find a, a gameplay-related topic where we've both, where we were both able to get a game, play it, and discuss it within a reasonable amount of time. Well, plus, most of our topics are modern news, of like new stuff happening, and the new stuff is usually not discussing the gameplay of something. That's a review to me. It's more about this is coming out, Ubisoft fucks over their customers again, sure. EA, EA no, does this. No, but for an no. example, this is not knocking you, but like, you have Mario Maker, we have not talked Mario Maker, yeah, because you do not have time. So, by the time you get to it, you and I will discuss what we like about it, but it's not going to make the podcast, sure. and that's why. It, 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 it's, Fair it's, enough. It, it's time and different priorities. But if I had time, I probably would do it as a review, and just we would probably mention it briefly on the podcast. I, would have done like a mini, I was thinking about doing a mini-review of it if I had time. I would have done a Mario Maker mini-review, like a three-minute sort of thing. I'm not sure I would have done justice to it, but you know that's what I was thinking uh, at the time. So that's that's basically what it comes down to. Plus, it's fun talking about the economics. I think I don't know. It is. It's theoretical. Oddly enough, uh, that kind of leads well into the next question. With Mario Maker being so popular, oh, this is from uh, Rex Dart seventy nine. With Mario Maker being so popular, do you think a similar concept with Zelda would work? Thanks. Uh, no. Uh, Super Mario Brothers is a quick, twitchy experience platforming, you can run through levels of My Brothers in 20 seconds, 30 seconds or less. Legend of Zelda uh, doesn't have that. The closest you can say is, let's do a dungeon run and run through a dungeon. It doesn't have the same ebbs and flows in terms of gameplay mechanics as running and jumping, you know, and getting power-ups as it does, you know, running through a dungeon in Legend of Zelda. Now, I was not saying it couldn't be interesting as like a one-off or part of a Zelda game, but I just don't see it happening. Super Mario Brothers is sort of like the perfect game for Mario for for that to, to have happened. Like, if you look at the few times they tried on the NES, especially with the NES Black Box games, you have Mock Rider, Excite Bike, and Wrecking Crew, and no one cares. No one, no one really did that much experimenting with them no. because they weren't the quick. Excite Bike was the one that people messed with most, and, and then when they realized you like, couldn't right. save them, they were like, "What the fuck?" <clears throat> My opinion on that is, um, yes, it could work. However, the look like Pat said, it is Mario is is snappy. Um, Mario Maker doesn't even have the ability to make worlds yet, which I think they should add. Oh, they don't? Yeah, no, you can't connect different. You stages. can't connect, and they should. But what makes Mario Maker work is that it's easy, it's intuitive, and someone can slap something playable together uh, very quickly and upload it. Doesn't have to be good, but as long as you can beat it, you can throw it up there. Things like a Zelda Maker do exist. I mean. RPG makers and, you know, action game makers have existed on computers forever. Um, but there's a lot more detail and a lot more work. A lot of people would start, I think, with something like a Zelda Maker. I'm not saying you, listener, particularly, but in general, people would get very excited about it and start, 
and then fall off halfway through. Why? Because they didn't think the level design through enough. It's, well, it's, what what it, would it be? A whole world you, you create? Or just a dungeon? Well, I mean, whatever it would be. Even if it was just a dungeon, you're still talking about a lot more than a Mario level. If someone was making a Mario level and they realize their level design isn't coming together as well as they'd hoped, they can kind of fudge it and take it in a new direction pretty quickly. You would have to scrap a whole lot of shit that you did in a Zelda game to do it. And it's it's kind of similar to my comparison when we did mention Mario Maker briefly in a previous podcast. It's why Mario Maker works out a little bit better, I think, in terms of people immediately jumping in than, say, Little Big Planet. Now, yes, Little Big Planet has millions of levels, but there's a lot more work involved and a lot more planning. You don't have... The best Mario Maker levels are ones that are planned out, but you don't have to to do it. And either way you're doing it, you're still only talking a few hours of work. Versus, I don't know how long it would create to even... Well, to create an entire Hyrule would take you 100 hours to do that. But so to create a dungeon would probably even take... And plus, what the hell is a good dungeon in Legend of Zelda? Does it mean, like, you have to get an object or to continue an item in order to continue another area? Like, what does it even mean? No one in their head could, could wrap their mind... Like, a cool Mario level? It's just fun. You run through real quickly. You wouldn't figure out if a Legend of Zelda dungeon is good or not until 50 minutes in, 15 minutes in and you realize it sucks. Yeah, you, you, have, to, I mean? you have to have the idea, then you have to lay out the idea, and then you have to playtest the idea and be like, you know what, this is a bad idea. Yeah, then you gotta realize, oh, the only way to make this fun... Uh, make it like uh, Death Mountain, where there's a whole bunch of fucking whacked out passageways leading somewhere else in the level, which is a dead end. And that's not, to me, that's not fun. No. That's just frustrating. So, it, yes, it could work, but would it work on a mass appeal level? No, I don't think it would. At London Beckett, what are your thoughts on the Sega Dreamcast collecting wise, <laughs> Dreamcast collecting wise, and how it holds up over time? Dreamcast to me is a very interesting system. Um, and the Saturn kind of falls in this category, too, because you go from the Genesis, which is kind of cheapish, fluctuates. Etc. And you get Saturn, but we're talking about Dreamcast and Dreamcast, and uh, these systems are kind of like rocks. Um, for almost as long as I've worked at Luna, which is about nine years, most of the very popular games on the Dreamcast have been around the prices they are now since then, and they've always been kind of high. The Dreamcast was around for about two years. It has about 252 games, I think, in the U.S. I could be wrong on that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the really popular ones came out at a time where companies and Sega were probably seeing the signs, and they were released in limited runs. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think Sega, I think, I, I refer to systems like the Dreamcast as, like, boutique systems, because they are, there's a small amount of stuff to go around, and there's a not as large amount of people who are interested. They're very specific collectors. Because of that, the prices tend not to fluctuate too much. And uh, I, I think that, honestly, I, I think something as large and unwieldy and unstable as the NES could see a, a shift in prices quicker than, you know, the top 25 most desirable Dreamcast games. Because you're not going to all of a sudden have a jump of five times as many people are looking for the stuff. Right. You're, you're going to have the same people, and even if they... I feel like even if those people decide they're getting out and selling, you're going to have about the same amount of people getting in. So the hasn't pri- grown. The amount of Dreamcast fans hasn't grown. No, it, it, I wish it had, but, you know, I yes, I, say, I see the same amount of Dreamcast fans and buyers now that I did eight, nine years ago, whereas I see exponentially more NES, Super Nintendo, um, even Genesis collectors. Fairchild collectors. <laughs> yes. At BLH Productions, do you think consoles will be phased out as they become more like actual computers slash media centers? 
I personally think this is kind of a foregone conclusion for the most part. Uh, yes, I do. I think Sony and Microsoft, and I think we've talked about this before, I think Sony and Microsoft days as console manufacturers are numbered. Um, I think the only company that this is not going to affect as much is Nintendo, because Nintendo always has a hook. They they own all the games that everyone wants to buy. They Their first-party software is why you buy a Nintendo system. If it wasn't, no one would have bought the Wii U. I mean, everything that people are really playing on it is is Nintendo first party. Sure, there are other good games that aren't, but most of it's first party stuff. Same thing with handhelds. Sony has no real intentions of ever re-entering the handheld market, and no one should because Nintendo's kind of got that locked up. Um, and as I mean, the PS4's structure and the Xbox One structure become more like PCs. Yeah, I feel like we're going to see set-top PC boxes, or we're just going to see people transfer to PCs that are hooked up like consoles. There's going to have to be an incentive for publishers to release exclusively on a console versus also going to the other console and or the PC at the same time. So they're going to have to be paid lots of... Microsoft and Sony have to pay these companies lots of money to come out exclusively on their system and not on PC. I'm going to throw PC in there just as a yeah. an alternative at the same time because otherwise, what's the point? Well, we're already seeing this weird thing happen where people are like... Street Fighter V is exclusive to the PS4, but it's not. It's also on PC. We're already starting to see a slip in like the importance of these exclusivities. Because timed people, exclusives. Timed so. exclusives. Oh, I gotta wait an extra six months? Boo-fucking-who. Or, oh, you can't get this game if you don't own a PS4, except for I have a PC, and yes, I can. You're just saying I can't because I have an Xbox One. We're, we're definitely, especially with... It's funny, like, once again, because the Wii U is, is a drop in the bucket. It's not really doing anything, yet it is the one that I feel like is the most immune to this sort of shit. Yeah, because Nintendo, first and foremost, is a toy-slash-video game company. Right. They are, they, once consoles die, Nintendo will still be marketing their video toys. Yeah, and you want to play Mario game? Come and get it. Now, people say, oh, mobile, mobile. They're not going to put freaking their marquee tiles on a mobile system. They're I not going to give that up. I got to I got to eat some words. I think I did say that they'd never go mobile, but but and they are. But they're still not doing it in the way that people expected yeah. them to do, which is basically like, why don't they release the ROMs from Mario on the phone? That's not because it. they like money. That's yes. why, and that'd be a, you don't un, you don't devalue your own games in your library like that. Yes, if you're a smart company, um, you have people come back for more, and you have the sort of People are like, oh, they should, you know, just give it up and become a software company. Why? When they've made so much fucking money forcing people to buy their console to get the games exclusively. Right. Like, why would they throw that away? Because you want them to? That's not a real reason. You're not going to make it a CEO, buddy. Sorry. That's like the, that's like someone that's like someone who thinks they they could own a retro video game store, but tells me that because they don't want to pay the price everyone else is paying, that they should pay it. A cheaper price for a game. They want to buy a retro video game store. You said they want to buy. No, a- no. I'm just saying, like the pe- yeah, people. They they. A lot of times, people refuse to look at the other side of business. <laughs> yeah, they they think with their heart, not their head. Um, speaking of that, check out this great little uh, Diddy song put together, where Ian he did it on the podcast live. Where we're talking about <laughs> me losing weight and Ian imagining my my my. He's looking, he, he said something like, about lollipops and. Uh, after we both fell apart on it and you said you looked at me and I said like in those cartoons I actually said if someone wants to put that together in like an old Looney Tunes style that would be hilarious and someone did uh, you've got the info though of who, who yeah it's it. hysterical I tweeted it out oh, okay. um, I hope that if you're listening please make it public um, 
I, I don't have it right in front of me, but search for like Lollipop CU podcast, and uh, and he'll probably hear this and change the title. But right now it's unlisted, unfortunately. So check my Twitter feed. I favorited it. It's, I'm pretty sure. I retweeted it as well. Um, it just said uh, the the retweet doesn't give a lot. It just says uh, uh, I wasn't lying because it, and previously in the day uh, this person had said that they would have it out before the podcast. So the quality is very high. And I uh, I was in tears the first time I saw it. So, yeah, try to find that and check it out. So, we got a podcast Patreon. i got a book coming out at some point. I'll do the Kickstarter for it. We might do the 6th Annual Aeneas Marathon supporting the Children's Miracle Network. Probably end up doing it and kill him. Kill him. You know, <coughs> kill my will to live. And he, he just caught my, my, my death SARS already. All right, let's go do our death rattles. Let's right? go, Mets, go. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Which may be the only podcast in November we'll see. <laughs> uh, the fourth. And enjoy, enjoy uh, Back to the Future Day. It's almost over. By the time you hear this, it is done. <laughs> it's done. Sorry. This is this is all we got for Back to the Future. Everything that takes place in Back to the Future is now in the past. <gasps> Except for. No, it is in the past. Yep. All right. It's all in the past. Bye, folks. <laughs>